The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Kent Beadle joins us now. He's the Director of Risk Consulting Services with CHS Hedging and the Russell Consulting Group. So first of all, I'd like to welcome you. Uh, first time for you to be on the Final Bell, but not somebody we haven't had on the air before. If folks uh, remember during Commodity Classic, uh, Kent joined us for a couple of our segments from the Classic Talk and Markets. So again, welcome once again to the airwaves. And it's been an interesting uh Market day, to say the least. I mean, you and I were talking just now. There's some volatility in the trade, a lot of talk about tariffs and and the frustrations between the U.S. and China, and it definitely took its toll for a little bit on the market trade. Well, it sure did. And and first of all, thank you for having me on. It's a it's a pleasure to be on with all of you and your listeners. Um, yeah, the tariffs today were definitely uh, front and center, and uh, there had been uh, expectation that there would be an announcement today. Um, the size of the of the package of tariffs that were was announced at, at somewhere around sixty billion. Some have said fifty billion. Um, these are lower numbers than what were initially uh, uh, worried about by the trade. Um, but what I think is uh, is interesting is two things. First of all, uh, the Chinese had a response ready, and that response was um, released almost the same time as as the announcement of the tariffs were, and that was that they were going to target uh, U.S. soybeans, U.S. hogs, and U.S. sorghum in retaliation. And so, um, you know, that obviously is concerning to the ag trade, and we did see the markets uh, break down a little bit at the time that that came out. What um, is more interesting, though, is that the markets recovered, and uh, uh, we actually settled the soybeans a little higher on the day. We've had strength in the meal all day. Uh, of course, corn rallied uh, as well to close higher. Um, and hogs ended up well off of their lows. And uh, as you get into the discussion of the tariffs and the um, uh, actual reading of the memorandum, you see that there's a period of time that is going to be allowed for um uh, for some negotiation that these uh, even when they are fully announced and implemented they're not going to go into effect immediately and as we were talking earlier i think that what this really is is a place to start a negotiation to start a conversation no different than the steel tariffs uh, which ultimately were not implemented for the uh, canadians or the mexicans and now we hear from many others as well um i think this is just an effort to to get the chinese to to the table uh, to talk about these issues that we have. Well, you know, and no surprise that the soybeans reacted like they did because China is such a huge buyer of U.S. soybeans. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, you know, given, uh, given the situation, as I was telling my clients today when, when the market was starting to break, I said, you know, you've got to take a, take a look and think about this for a minute retaliating against U.S. soybeans right now isn't the best of timing from the Chinese because of the of the much, much smaller crop that we have in Argentina. And, um, you know, they're going to need the beans. They're going to need the protein. They have the, the world's largest hog-producing operation. And, of course, you know, if they're, if they're not able to feed their hogs and then they're going to retaliate against our hogs as well, 
um, you're talking about something that could have a huge impact on the price of uh, pork in China, and that that's not something that's going to go over well with the population. So, um, you know, my hunch is is that ultimately this alt does get um, negotiated and agreed upon without any actual reduction in U.S. soybeans moving to China. And in fact, we think next year is going to be a very, very big year of, uh, of soybean exports out of the U.S. As you look at the rest of the trade on, on the grain side of it, ethanol futures, we saw a bit of a stabilization going on in the market. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, the there's there's an underlying demand out there uh, with higher with higher crude oil prices you know a lot of this is being driven by better economies around the world um more and with better economies we use more energy uh, we've been seeing the drive in china specifically toward using uh, a cleaner gasoline to help deal with their pollution problem and so you know the exports in our ethanol have been you know, have been good all year. Actually, we've seen a growing ethanol market, growing um, growing ethanol production, uh, you know, quite steadily since we had to ration some of that, uh, some of that grind back in 2012. And every single year, uh, when we look at the daily, um, uh, or excuse me, the weekly ethanol grind that gets announced every Wednesday, uh, almost, almost every single week we're setting a new weekly record for ethanol production and that's because we've got a really really strong um a really really strong export market that is being developed and with the china's uh growth target in ethanol uh to uh by 2020 um you know we're we're well positioned here to uh, to meet that world demand and even all the talks of rins and rfs here in the u.s hasn't slowed down the movement of ethanol like we've seen at the pump and at the plants no I, I i actually have a theory that you could you could do away with the rfs and you could do away with rins and you could do away with pretty much everything uh the ethanol industry in this com- country is bought and paid for and if somehow the decision was made to remove 10 percent of the supply of gasoline um obviously gasoline prices would rise uh, obviously, ethanol prices would fall, and the very first thing that would happen is that economically, the ethanol would flow right back into the blend. So that's why a lot of this, a lot of the rhetoric and the politics around this uh, don't seem to have a lot of impact on what actually happens out there in the real world. Well, stick around, folks. We've got more of the Fontenelle Final Bell coming up on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Again, Ken Beadle joins us. He's a director of risk consulting services with CHS Hedging and the Russell Consulting Group located in St. Paul, Minnesota, one of my favorite cities. Uh, looking at the weather, not too good for you guys right now. Talking more snow for, for Minnesota, but to the southern areas, a little bit of rain to the east, but still dryness and issues for many producers in the south. And I was doing some reading, Kent, they said it was just a definite slow start to any sort of spring planting this year. Yeah, well, certainly up in the upper Midwest, we are not going to get going anytime soon. Uh, we are bracing for more snow this weekend. Uh, even when the snow goes away, we had a period earlier in the year where 
Uh, we did not have a lot of snow, but we had a lot of very cold temperatures, and so the frost up here is very deep as well. Um, you know, I quite frankly think it's going to be late April into early May before we see an awful lot of corn planted uh, in the upper Midwest. Um, and then you, you know, you touch on the on the dryness as well, and we still have uh, some fairly, uh, you know, significant. Uh, yellow and red marks on the drought monitor in different parts of the U.S. and and uh, you know up here in the uh, in the Dakotas uh, we're very concerned and then of course in the southeast uh, and we did of course get the rain here earlier this week through parts of Kansas but uh, but it wasn't uh, it wasn't everywhere and there's an awful lot of dry pockets looked at the drought monitor here again this week and it 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 it's still significant so. Um, and then I also see uh, a chance of a fair amount of rain for the eastern Corn Belt, and I think that's the way that the pattern is going to be here for early season. So um, if it's too wet in the east and it's too cold and too much snow in the west, um, I think that, that that keeps our progress uh, uh, fairly slow for the early season, and that could ultimately play into this whole idea that we're going to have less corn and more soybeans uh, if those things extend out um, you know, much beyond the middle of May. We're a week away um, from the much-anticipated planning intentions report that comes out. Do you have any early, any early thoughts? I'll get it spit out right. Um, ahead of those numbers on the 29th? Well, I think that when we get our average trade guesses, which will be very, very soon, I think that they're going to be a shade under 90 million acres for corn and a shade over 90 million acres for beans. Um, based on the conversations I've had with growers as well as with bankers, I'm, I'm actually leaning toward a few less acres of corn and a few more acres of beans. And I, you know, 89 to 89, two in the corn and maybe 90.5 to 90.8 on the beans is where my uh, comfort level is right now and my expectation. Let's jump over to what we're seeing on the livestock side. You talked about the hogs. Um, they crashed when all this word came out about China. Yeah, they, they did, and, you know, we've got a lot of things going on there. I mean, the cash markets are, are definitely still soft. We haven't seemed to pull out of this Lenten doldrum as of yet. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of expectation that we will start to see some seasonal increases again sometime soon, but, you know, we kind of had a, uh, a, a move in that direction here about a week and a half ago, and that fizzled, and... You know, that's pushed us lower, and now the market is looking ahead to the hogs and pigs report, which almost certainly is going to um, indicate to us that we have, again, you know, 2 to 3% more hogs and pigs, and uh, and the focus ends up being on the supply side. At the same time, the market is just nervous about demand from China, demand from Mexico uh, around all of these trade issues, and I think that just has the traders very uh, spooked. And I think that their inclination is to sell something. And you get a day like today where uh, the headline is on more tariffs for the Chinese. And, um, and again, they, uh, they sold it pretty heavily today. We went from triple-digit lows to triple-digit support on the cattle market this week. Yeah. Yeah. The, I, you know, we're, we're starting to run into some fairly significant support areas. Um, and uh, you know we had jabbed we had jabbed through those areas in the cattle. What it appeared to do is uh, similar to what I suggested might happen eventually in the pork. It probably already is happening in the cattle. We're starting to stimulate some demand. 
uh, from the end user. Um, and as well, uh, you know, we've had this pullback in corn. And so, you know, feed costs a little bit lower than, you know, where they were a week ago. And, and the feeders actually staged a very nice reversal higher today. Um, so, uh, you know, feeders are the leaders, as we all like to say. And, uh, uh they were, they were stronger early on in the session. Um, it feels to me like we've done all we need to do to the downside in cattle. The best way folks uh, can get a hold of you, Kent, to talk more markets. So uh, our phone number is uh, 800-851-0892. Uh, and myself, my associate Preston Zacharias are here. We'd be more than happy to talk with any of you about markets and uh, about how we might be able to help you manage your risk. Thanks again to Kent. Kent Beadle joining us, the Director of Risk Consulting Services with CHS Hedging and the Russell Consulting Group out of St. Paul, Minnesota. That is the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network being brought to you by Fontenelle and your local Fontenelle dealer. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.